Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. Okay, I'm conflicted right now because I so badly want to not talk in this intro and just get right into today's episode because it is truly one of the most powerful and important conversations I've had in the two years of doing this podcast. And I am really honored to have had this conversation and I'm really grateful that Hillary Weinstein, our guest today, chose to have it with me and felt comfortable having it with me. So I really want to get into it, but I also want to fill you guys in on my week and my weekend. So I'll try and keep it brief, but oh my gosh, I am just so excited that this episode is here. And I'm really curious to hear your guys' thoughts after like, it is heavy. There's a lot in here, but it is so real and it is so raw and it's a conversation that we need to be having and it's things we need to be thinking about. So definitely stick around for the whole episode. Definitely let me know your thoughts after. I would love to keep this conversation going. In the meantime, this week I was down in Florida. I'm still here right now recording this intro, visiting my parents for the week and Barkley came with me. He was an absolute angel on the flight, which has never happened. I can't even explain how much stress and anxiety flying with Barkley has caused me because he hates being in his bag. He would be quiet and so perfect just sitting on my lap, but like they don't allow that. And so he's been in the bag and every single time it is like kicking and screaming. It is a fight. It is a whole thing to get him to like be quiet and just sit still. And this time he just did it. Like he slept to the point where I actually even fell asleep on this two hour flight for like an hour. It was wild. And I'm just so proud of him. And so I'm actually not anxious about flying back with him, which is a huge, huge victory. But yeah, I spent the week down here. I definitely struggle when I visit my parents because, you know, I'm coming to Florida. They live in this beautiful home with this pool and this backyard and this wonderful community. And I really want to be able to spend time with them and relax and almost be kind of on vacation, but also, you know, get some work done. So I don't feel like I'm falling behind, but it just feels like the work never ends. And it's something I really struggle with, like wanting to be present, wanting to like go run errands and do things and go shopping with my mom and spend time with my dad and play tennis and go for walks and stuff. And I really didn't get to do like any of that this week because it was just like work nonstop. And it's, I actually had a conversation with Cami, my associate producer and editor about this, about how like stressed and overwhelmed we were. And she texted me saying, oh my God, Hillary's episode is such a good one. I've truly been thinking about this social media being a highlight real thing for a few weeks. And this episode is everything I need. And I'm like, and I literally responded, sorry, Cami, I'm reading her text thread out here. <laughs> um, hope you're okay with that. I was like, no, I'm, it's literally the best episode. And I'm so glad you said that because I've been feeling that too. Like this morning, I literally was going to go post my smoothie by the pool. Meanwhile, I haven't sat by my pool or gone in the pool or worked by the pool. The only time I looked at the pool was when I got here on Monday, took my computer out to the pool and took a picture that said office for the week but it was hot and I couldn't see my computer screen. So I went back inside and she was like, no, I'm literally going through the same thing right now. And it's crazy that like we see all of these things and we post all these things, but we're feeling a different way. And we believe that everybody else's lives are perfect and they're not. And it's just a really wild thing that we all experience, you know, the dichotomy between what is happening on social media and what we're putting out on social media versus what's actually going on in our lives. And I definitely felt like this weekend was an example of that. You know, I actually, I couldn't go to a bachelorette party this weekend because 
I couldn't afford to, like it was too expensive. And, um, I am not, you know, making the money that I need right now to be going on all the bachelorette parties that I'm invited to, which sucks because I really do want to spend the time with my friends. But, um, I felt really bad and I felt really guilty because while I wasn't on this bachelorette party, I did go to Miami and I was staying in this extravagant apartment and I was going out to these nice meals and I was posting about it. And in my mind, I literally like felt horrible because I'm like, well, what if they see this? And they're like, oh, well, Anna just didn't want to come. And she lied and said she couldn't afford it to like get out of it. And the truth of the matter is I was staying at my brother's apartment for free and the meals that we were going to were comped in exchange for us posting them. Like we had reached out to the PR people and they were paying for our meal and so my entire trip to Miami this weekend cost me about like maybe 80 bucks for like some meals that weren't comped and the train each way. But it looked like I was on this like ridiculously extravagant, glamorous trip to Miami to the point where I felt the need to like put in my Instagram caption that it was my brother's apartment and then I'm only in Florida because my parents moved here and it's social media is just really a mind fuck. And all of this ties exactly into what today's episode is about, which is why I wanted to bring it up. But um, yeah, Carly and I did have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. If you guys missed the episode with her, Carly Silverman and Danny Katowitz, it was the first episode of the new year. It is such an incredible episode. And Carly is someone who is like truly one of my best friends now. And we met not even a year ago. We met probably eight months ago on social media and it's also like we've talked about how like what we thought of each other on social media versus what we now know of each other in real life. And it's something that I think people need to be talking about more, just what we put out there versus what's really happening. And yeah, so I hope this episode is helpful to you guys. I hope it is cathartic. I hope you relate to it. I hope it makes you think and I hope you love it and find it as valuable and important as I do. So let's talk about our guest, Hillary. Hillary Weinstein is a therapist. She is a licensed clinical social worker, and she is the founder of HLW Therapy, which is a therapy practice with a ton of wonderful psychotherapists. And she previously came on, we had an episode called Early Signs a Relationship Won't Work Out with Hillary Weinstein. It was such a good episode. And in December, Hillary emailed me about something that she was going through and her desire to talk about it and that she thought seeing other people was the place to have that conversation. And I don't want to spoil too much of it, but I was like 1000% yes, this is something that needs to be discussed. This is something I would be honored to help get out there and to, you know, help you share your story, but also help facilitate a conversation like this and, and hopefully encourage other people to have more conversations like this. And I'm being vague. I don't want to spoil it because it's really Hillary's story to share, but I am just so thankful that you guys, my listeners and, and me and, and my guests that we've created this community where people feel comfortable, you know, coming to me and having these conversations. Even last week, the unfiltered episode, the I dated a Nazi episode, like that was so important. And that was a really scary and hard conversation to have. And I am have no doubt it was scary for our unfiltered guests to come on and share that story. But I just feel so lucky that you guys trust me like this and that you're open-minded and open-hearted and everybody is willing to learn. Everybody is willing to look within and to challenge themselves. And it's just really inspiring. So 
I am going to stop talking and let Hillary start talking. And I just really can't wait to hear what everybody's thoughts are. I'll do some big master post on Instagram where everybody can kind of comment their thoughts. I'll do a bunch of question boxes about this one and some polls. So stay tuned for all of that. And I love you guys so much. Let's get into it. All right. We are here. Hillary Weinstein, welcome back to seeing other people. Thank you so much for having me again. I love being on this podcast because I feel like I'm just talking to you. <laughs> that is the goal. I I don't really know how to start this conversation. So why don't we just start by saying, like, how are you doing? How is your day today? Uh, yeah, it's a doozy. So I opened my laptop to click the link that you sent to me. Um, one minute after rushing into back into my house from traffic, getting back from my wedding planner, which sounds like something really exciting. And it, and it was, it was exciting. It was helpful. It was exciting. Um, but if my mom recently passed, as you all ought to know, and if she was alive, she would have been my wedding planner. So my day has been a double-edged sword, and I think that would be the best way to describe the last four months. I feel like this, I'm like coming out of hiding in, on this yeah. episode in some way, because like I haven't seen patients in I think three or four months. Like I haven't, you're, you're the first professional person I'm talking to outside of the therapist on my team. Well, I am really grateful to have you here and I can only imagine this is going to be just hard to talk about um, and something that is probably uncomfortable and scary, but, but that's why we do I'm it, proud of right? you. And yeah, the hard conversations are the most important ones to have. So let's back up two things at play here. One, you recently got engaged. I did. And two, your mom passed away. She did. High highs and low lows. Um, yeah. So context to that. Um, my mom was diagnosed in 2018, September. I remember it was because I opened my office in New York like pre-COVID in September 2018 of my practice. And I don't think I had even seen a patient yet. I think I was like finishing decorating it and I just sat on my Wayfair couch and my dad called or rather my brother and I um were harassing them because they're like oh right there I'm I'm still using present tense um and I'm probably going to throughout the episode I'm not I'm not at past tense point but um very hovering not in a bad way but just would never not answer the phone for their kids. Like would always assume an emergency and always answer kind of thing. So each of us had reasons to reach out to them um, that day. And I think after a period of like two hours, I forget who texted who, but one of us texted the other one. I'm like, have you heard from mom and dad? Have you heard from mom and dad? No. And we're like, what the hell? And uh, like my brother called me. My brother's not someone who's is my older brother. He's not someone who speaks on the phone loves text, like just hi, 
period. And like, that's him being happy. Um, so he calls me. And so I know he is worried and he's like, what's going on? They never don't answer us. And finally they called. Um, but that turns out they had, um, been at the hospital and didn't, were trying to figure out how to tell their kids, me and my two brothers, that my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and it was pretty bad. Um, and I remember like collapsing, um, on the floor and just sitting there and crying, um, for the rest of the day. Actually, you know what? I did have patients because I had to cancel the patients. Um, and fast forward, she had a reoccurrence annually. So four reoccurrences in four years, three major surgeries, um, lots of like ICU and like month long stays. Um, but she was a fighter and she is the most impressive woman. I know, I know a lot of people say that about their moms. Um, but God damn it. Did she fight? And, um, I realized recently, actually, have you seen dead to me? I started it. Okay. I didn't finish it. I love the show because I love Christina Applegate and like, I love the kind of like the dark witty humor, but trigger warning for anyone, there's cancer involvement. Um, and in the most recent season. And so when I realized that as I was watching, I was like, oh shit, I should turn this off. And then I was like, you know what? No, power through, feel your emotions, get your cry out, whatever. Um, and I realized there's a scene where she's Googling her survival rate chances. I'd never done that with my mom. And like, oh who God. doesn't do that? Isn't that like the first thing you would do? So it just, <laughs> and I asked, as I realized that, I texted my brothers and I said, did you ever do this? And they said, no. And I was both parts angry at myself because if I had, I would have known how little time I really had with her and compassionate and understanding that like, okay, well, my two siblings didn't either. We clearly like that was some kind of denial. Like we didn't want to know. Um, but yeah, so it definitely this, I think it was October 31st. She was hospitalized um, for a side effect of a clinical trial medication she was on for the most recent diagnosis, or reoccurrence rather, and was in the hospital for 24 days. Um, I flew up from Austin, where I live, and um, my dad slept in a recliner chair of the hospital for 24 days. Man did not shower, bless his soul, and bless my mom's soul for smelling that. <laughs> and um, my now, not at the time, my now fiance and I um, stayed in their apartment for those 24 days and watched their dog. Um, and I went in and visited uh, every day. Um, so yeah, and then she passed on December 7th um, and it was, brutal. Um, but at the same time, um, my fiance, seems Scott, um, he, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure last time we recorded, 
I was referencing Scott by name. Yeah. Um, and which I only am mentioning because he proposed after nine months of dating. So I, I was trying to do the math of when we last did an episode. Yeah. You had um, so, it, things were go, like starting to go really, really well. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain I was on the couch in the living room um, mm-hmm. here. So I had moved in at the time. Um, but anyway, he was planning to propose uh, when he visited my family in New York on Christmas. He's originally from Dallas. Um, and then it became abundantly clear my mom wasn't going to make it till Christmas. So he improvised and got down on one knee without a ring because he wasn't planning to propose for another month um, in his PJs when we were on our couch and had a whole speech. I obviously said yes. I was also relieved because apparently his original plan was to go to Rockefeller Center and ice skate. No, no shade to anyone who's been proposed <laughs> like this. <laughs> Pretend to fall and be down on one knee. And that is the antithesis of, of what you like, would <laughs> like and have a photographer. Like I would have fought, like found a corner and just crawled into it. Um, but this was much more me and us. And he just knew how much, like if my mom clearly wasn't going to be around for our wedding that he, that how much I would want slash need her to be included in an aspect of it and just know that like I was good and my future would be good. So then we went ring shopping and we flew to New York and shared that with my mom while she was still fighting and cognizant enough to really, really appreciate it. And even like, I guess this brings me into how I originally was talking to you about this subject when this happened, um, or when I was thinking about this, <sighs> what everything <laughs> comes down to these days, social media. And who doesn't love announcing their engagement on social media or wedding or pregnancy, right? And I felt this immense dread and it was so special intimately to share with my mom. Also, you can see here, I had just gotten tattoos. This one says LYF for um, Love You Forever, a children's book and how we signed all of our texts. And this one says My Sweet Pie. I've never had a tattoo before. These are my first two tattoos and they're in her handwriting from she wrote she wrote it in the hospital Um, and so I have a picture which I believe is on my personal Instagram of like her like holding my hand so you can see like the ring and my tattoo in her hands um but I just thought like I'm 33 and there were so many years when people would post engagement announcements and such. And I was at various points in my dating life, whether it was going through a breakup, being in a toxic relationship, starting a new relationship that or situationship and just feeling such immense jealousy and feeling like I was not on the timeline I should be. And 
part of me didn't want to say anything about it because I was like, I don't want anyone to feel how I felt, especially because they have no effing, I don't know if I can curse on here, um, idea. Okay. Um, What's going on behind the scenes? Like, and probably two hours later after the ring was on my finger in front of my mom, I like removed myself and sat in an empty bathtub and like screamed into a pillow and cried. But like, was that on Instagram? No. So yeah, double-edged sword. It's how long after you got engaged did she pass? Um, so we got engaged. Well, if we're saying unofficially via the ring, um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know that date. Maybe like probably November like 10th or something like that, give or take. It's um, like a month. And then the ring, I remember because it, <laughs> we had it delivered to my parents' apartment because they have a, like, that's where we wanted to be and have them there for it. Um, and the, <laughs> the tracking date was November 18th via UPS. And um, Scott and I were staying at a hotel and just knowing like the, like visiting my mom in the hospital and knowing that like, or actually she was discharged, I think the day before that. And so just to like kind of home hospice. And um, so we went to <laughs> my parents' apartment. We were walking like the six or so blocks from the hotel we were at to my parents' apartment. And we we're like happy because like I'm about we're about to like have the official ring, but also like I it's so hard to watch my mom in that state and in pain. So like it was just so much and we were acknowledging that. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of dry humor joking about like how incredibly untraditional this has been. So we're like, so he said, like, what should I do? Should I like, when we get the ring, should I like get down on one knee again, like in front of your mom? And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, that might be too emotional for her. Like, I'm not sure. I was like, you know what? Let's just like go totally rogue. Turned out that our favorite doorman, shout out Jonathan was there and we're like let's just act like nothing's happening and so I was like hey Jonathan like I think I have a package and he's like oh yeah yeah yeah, Hillary uh here you go just UPS package and we just opened it and then like there was like this elderly woman next to us like telling like talking Jonathan's ear off about her prescriptions classic yeah and I was like we're like this we're about this is interesting And so he just opened the box and then he put it on my finger. And then Jonathan, our doorman, was the first person to see. Oh my God. Jonathan was like, What? Like, and then we took the Did this just happen? And he's like, What are you like? You like me that much? (laughs) Like, so it was, it was just like funny and like a, like icing on the cake of how much of a non traditional journey this has been. And then went up and saw my parents. But, and that was November 18th. When you were going through it the the last few months in in the fall, Mm -hmm. did, 
how did you like show up to work and get through it every day? I didn't. Honestly, I'm I was fortunate enough to have taken the risk in 2018 when my mom was first diagnosed to do the whole self-employment thing and then when there was more demand than I ever anticipated started hiring therapists who of course I have a financial benefit from um and they are wonderful not just clinicians but friends and supporters and I just said hey I I can't I I, I don't like I can't do anything like I don't know I don't even know if I can get out of bed like any given day like I definitely can't work so like you guys just got to run this show so I didn't um I texted my clients and I basically said it, it, that was difficult that was really difficult I don't want to overlook that because I didn't want to trigger anyone if like, no, because I knew their family histories. Like I've known these people for years and I didn't want to trigger anyone. And then me, like the staple of therapy is it's about the patient, not about the therapist. So like I, it would be, it's unethical, typically speaking to ever put a patient in the position where they feel bad for the therapist. And then therefore are maybe like tailoring things they say or not saying eggshells yeah yeah so like but I felt like it knowing that I was about to take months off I didn't want anyone thinking I was just piecing out yeah like abandoning them right so even saying like I had a family emergency sounded like like very like cold and clinical and not personal like that's not how I talk yeah it's like also like did you have a family emergency or are you just using that as an excuse because it's like a thing where people don't ask questions and just say hope everything's okay exactly yeah so luckily my patients were all very understanding and there were certain ones who for reasons that benefited them I had shared a little bit so that it was wasn't out of the blue but yeah. yeah, um, I didn't, to answer the question, I didn't, I, the, the, so I, in the work space, I, I really just like signed off. Like I wasn't even like posting stories or anything. Cause I, I just like was having this whole existential crisis of like, what even like story or like quote or whatever, like what, who gives a fuck? Like who cares yeah. about anything? I like, I sure don't right now. Like I just care about keeping my family afloat. So, and then I went into complete autopilot of like fight, AKA doing everything I could for the first round of memorial services, which was I think December or like 16th or so. And a little bit before then. And then her like more religious memorial service is coming up in a little over a week. So after we stopped recording, so I went from wedding planner, podcast, and then I have to write her eulogy. Jesus. All of that is to say that I just wanted so badly to like 
teleport in time and tell my younger self with every engagement post and every announcement, you have no idea what's happening. And I would see it play out in, there were certain circumstances um, where a couple individuals didn't understand, had, had no experience, and I'm happy for them that they haven't with grieving this uh, loss of a parent or child or spouse or whatever, um, and really pushed boundaries on like things they wanted in a certain amount of time. And it was really eye-opening. But yeah. I had a guest on the podcast recently, Jamie Stone. Um, she lost both her dad and her sister over the course of a few years. And oh she had a lot of interesting things to say about how there are people in your life that you expect would show up for you that really don't. Mm -hmm. and that through her grieving process and, and through navigating that with her friends, she actually lost some of her closest friends because they didn't know or they didn't, you know, they, they just didn't show up in, in the right way or didn't show up at all. Yeah. I mean, that's, I need to listen to that episode. Um, it's terrible, but I, um, it's not surprising. I'm fortunate enough that, and I don't know, her age or the specific circumstances, but I think there's something to be said that also because I'm an introvert, my closest, like I have a, it's quality over quantity right now. Like uh, I'm 33, like I'm, I'm not dabbling in like post-college social life. Like, um, so I'm fortunate that I had a lot of support and wasn't really disappointed by anyone but that's not to say there weren't a couple of people who definitely surprised me but I'm, I'm lucky that they weren't like my best friends but yeah they were still a figure in my life that I valued and now have a hard time viewing the same way yeah it's like there's so many tough things it's like there's there's the one thing that happened and then there's all the follow-up, like all of the dominoes that fall surrounding it. Yeah. And even to deal with like 10% of what you've dealt with is just a, I mean, I know you're, you're making it through one day at a time, but I, I, I don't know how, and I'm sure you also don't know how. Um, I, I want to, Yeah. It's a, it surprises me every minute by minute. Yeah. With the social media stuff, yeah. I want to get into that. I know yeah. that's that's the core of what we wanted to talk about. Yeah. But there was a lot of <laughs> a lot a lot to discuss. I completely relate to obviously seeing people getting engaged, seeing people getting married, even just seeing people like debuting their significant other and like posting like, Hey, I have this person. It's like, right. what, what would be a better world? Like how, what would even be the perfect world of this happening? Because it's not like people are going to post 
like, here's us getting together. Okay. We just had our first fight. You guys, like we're both (laughs) not talking and really anxious and like, not sure if we're going to make it through, like, but how can we, or like, what, what would we even want to see to not feel so terrible and see these things and consider it like an attack on ourselves or that like we're not good enough, you know? Cause I don't think there's a single person that hasn't seen something, whether it's about a relationship or a promotion or moving to a new place or some type of accolade or milestone where yes, we can be so happy for someone else, but I think it almost always makes us reflect and look at ourselves and say like, well, I'm less than because I don't have that or I want that and I haven't figured it out so something's wrong with me yeah have you watched did you watch friends yes okay um i I know not everyone does but i would imagine a vast portion of your audience has Um, i actually didn't until last year and i watched it all the way through for the first time ever and i loved it it Um, was and i had tried multiple times before and i couldn't get into it and thank god that it clicked this time yeah. Well, I was just, it, what you just said reminded me of, and I'll keep this very brief, but just there's this one episode where for anyone who is listening and uh, has watched Friends where Phoebe and Joey get into a fight about the concept of can, a, can an act truly be selfless? Like, can you do something kind for someone? Like, I don't know giving the example here was like giving a sandwich or $5 to a homeless man and it truly be selfless in nature. And Phoebe's argument was that it can't because you feel good about yourself because you just did something nice. Um, And I feel like that's similar of like, you can be happy for someone, but there's, it's, in no world mutually exclusive that you don't also look inward and compare yourself. And that's like the nature and a lot of the toxicity of social media is that those two things are co-occurring and we can't stop social media. So we have to learn how to adapt. And what does that look like? I mean, my knee jerk as I was hearing you talk about it is more transparency about the hard stuff. So like we can all go out and find people who talk about the hard stuff. First podcast coming to mind is Glennon Doyle's We Can Do Hard Things. She's really open and raw and vulnerable. Like you can go out and find that, but it would be really nice if just a day-to-day practice of like the people on your feed were more open about that. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that I, especially recently, I've tried to be more cognizant of. And and even today I I posted a video being like, I'm so fucking tired. I was up until one working. I'm not proud of that. I have three recordings today and an event. And I know these sound like awesome things and I'm excited about them and I'm grateful that I have them, but I'm so overwhelmed and anxious and exhausted. And it's weird because it's like, again, is it selfless that I'm posting? Like, I'm posting that partially because I want to show that, like, it is not like all positive. It is not all glamorous, like by any means. But it's like, well, am I 
I don't want people to suddenly feel bad for me. Yeah. Either. Yeah. And I don't want people to think I'm just like complaining. So it's like, what? It's hard to balance. And and I agree with your point of like, you can go out and find it. Like you can follow certain people, but realistically, it's the majority of the people you know are not going to be doing that. Right. And that's, I mean, in the professional space, like you just explained, and I'm assuming you're referencing because I haven't looked at my social media today, but I'm assuming you're, you're referencing your podcast Instagram when you say, yes. yeah, in the professional space, that's a really tight rope. That's tough. And, but personal too, like I have a personal account and I have a professional account um, on amongst multiple platforms, but like, Even if I were to say, which I like pretty much, I mean, not pretty much, I fully did in my personal engagement picture, which I did end up posting, the caption maybe mentioned Scott once and was in large part a tribute to my mom and the woman she raised me to be so that I understood how to be loved and how to love. Um, But still, even that... I could see a younger me still being like a little insensitive and being like, okay, but you're engaged and like only hearing like selective hearing. And whereas like I, unless I had a reality show, I wouldn't be able to show, I mean, I could do a better job at like posting, being really vulnerable and posting videos and pictures, which I think I'd like to at like this conversation is motivating me even more to, um, to give a better idea of like, no, this was three hours later. And like time, like timestamps, like three hours later, I I have a picture. I'm going to post it. Once you release this episode, I'm going to post it. It's a picture of, I sent it to a couple of friends of me in the bathtub, fully clothed, crying with a glass of wine while I just tried to hold it together. And I excused myself from like planning the more a part of the memorial service with my dad and aunts and I didn't post that but like but it shouldn't be of course I probably should have you know like I guess to answer like to answer your question that's that's the world that nobody wants to do it it's scary it's vulnerable it's terrifying but like the alternative is we're getting half the story and then judging ourselves based off of half, if not less, of someone else's story. Let me ask you something. Yeah. If you had posted that, mm-hmm. what would have happened? In the professional space, I would have feared people would feel bad for me. And I was especially in the position of a therapist where I'm supposed to be a blank slate for lack of better phrase and like completely console and focus on my patients and even the the followers who aren't patients on their feelings and lifting them up or supporting them, I would have felt self-centered and fearing that people would feel bad for me, which 
saying that out loud now, why is that bad? Why is it so terrible if someone feels bad for me? Like just as a human, forget therapist, but like even if it was on my therapy page, I'm a human and I mean like just the most recent, the first time I posted on social media since my mom passed, it's like a couple days ago, just announcing the new therapist in my practice. And that's an accolade. That's something that like pe- people look at the story and they're like, oh, great. Some people might be like, oh, I want to work with that person. But to the outside or my friends, the first response is, congratulations, you're expanding your business. You know, like that's like, it, it's not a humble brag because the point for my business is to advertise the new therapists that are available, but it can, it can come off like that. So if pe- so if I'm posing something that people can feel like, oh, well, that's a, like you said before, a career advancement that maybe I'm struggling with career and that makes me feel bad. I'm reflecting on myself. Right. Why shouldn't I be able to post something equally as human, which is I'm suffering and kind of level the playing field and create a balance so that it's not a highlight reel. Right. And one thing that came to my mind when I was thinking of what would happen if I posted something like that in a different situation, of course, was a lot of people would reach out and of course, that is a wonderful thing and appreciated. But for me, I would get really overwhelmed and stressed and anxious really quickly because I would then feel like I owe every single one of these people a response. But then if I gave a response that was cold and not like warm enough like, are they going to take it personally? And then what if they try and continue the conversation? I don't want to, I don't want to ignore them. Like I have so much DM anxiety on a daily basis. I don't know why, but DMs, like, I just feel like I, if somebody sends me a DM, like I owe them a response and I don't really feel that way about texts. But then when I don't respond for whatever reason, I feel really guilty. And so if I ever post something personal or something I'm struggling with and people or even something or even something positive and people reach out, I, it instantly overwhelms me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes And sense. so is it selfish to not post it then because I'm afraid of the response? Like, what do I do? So that's you know? actually, that's a really interesting way of broaching the topic because I think there's a very big distinction between selfish and boundaries and you can't control how other people are going to react like that. That's something that we all kind of have to accept. And I, it's difficult to accept. That's why you would feel overwhelmed in that case. And as would I, but like, that's the struggle, but that, that doesn't mean that shouldn't dictate your behaviors, the, how other people are going to perceive it, your, how you act because you feel it would benefit some people or what have you. 
it's a shame to not do that because of a fear that certain people might receive it in a way that they're offended, but it's like, well, that's on, that's their life and experience. And what does that say about them? If they're offended that let's put it in my perspective, do you know how many freaking texts I had? Like I, I had to turn off my phone when yeah. my mom passed and that was one of my main thoughts. And I had to sit there and be like, no, my mom's not here anymore. That's what I should be sitting here thinking about, not the punctuation in the text I sent to, or emoji use or lack thereof that I used in response to people. Yes. I'm acknowledging that, or maybe not, or like, that's, that's the part that's on other people that we, we don't have power over and have to release that whether we choose to respond or not, or choose to respond right away in a colder way or later in a warmer way, you know, that's them as their own individual and their life experiences processing or having a difficulty processing what you're going through and that maybe you're not going to respond in a certain amount of time. Yeah. Which actually I know, I think I saw you pause it, but when I I had a call come in um, while we were recording, it was an old friend of mine who I haven't spoke, spoken to over the phone. She sent her condolences via text. I don't know if I answered it or not, honestly. But weird timing that that I saw yeah. it pop up on my computer that it was an old friend calling. Um, and sorry if you listen to this, you're gonna know who you are. But even if I wasn't recording with you right now, I wouldn't have answered because I just came back from a wedding planner. I'm about to write my mom's eulogy, and I just freaking can't. Yeah. And it's not about them. And I think there's just a level of that that we just need to release. That's not in our control. Yeah. It doesn't make us selfish or mean. I think we're all really bad at it, <laughs> at least. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but I think it's a really difficult thing to do to put ourselves first when we need to protect ourselves and and protect our energy and take care of ourselves and not feel guilty about it. Cause it's, again, it's not, it's not about your friend who called. It's not about not wanting to talk to her. It's about, there are other things on your mind right now. And there's only so much you, there's only so much mental capacity. There's only so much emotions you can process at once. And maybe some conversations just, there's a time and place. And right now today, is not the time. Right. And but that doesn't mean there, she did something wrong by calling. Of course, it's like right. wonderful and, and appreciated. I know it, it's tough. I know. And it's like it's speaking to like mental capacity, emotional capacity. I think social capacity is something like people don't talk about enough. Like that, if I had taken that phone call, especially because this is someone I haven't talked to in over the phone in a while, maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes out of my day, 
socially of like rehashing things or just sharing emotions or what have you. And I have a social obligation tonight. I mean, an obligation is a terrible word to use. I am doing (laughs) wedding dress shopping. So, and I have amazing friends of mine joining me in that. And what a fucking day you're having. (laughs) Yeah. It's more their obligation. I mean, it's not, I I told them no pressure, but um, because it's like a weekday, a weeknight, but it's social energy rather that I'm expending that everyone needs to on a day-to-day basis balance. Like, because I have that, I'm way less likely given what's going on for me right now to take a phone call in the middle of the day. If I didn't have anything planned tonight, maybe I would have. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But it's not about that person. Yeah. And, and it's not about us being selfish or mean. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, I, even this morning when I was feeling overwhelmed and, and all that, um, a friend of mine wanted to call me to tell me about a date she went on last night. And I was just like, I can't, I, I just can't right now. And, and she tried to tell me about it yesterday night, but I was again, like working till 1am. So I didn't like really answer her. I was just like, Oh my God, tell me everything tomorrow. And then this morning she was texting me and she called me and I just, I didn't pick up, but then I was posting on Instagram for work. And I'm like thinking, Oh my God, she's going to see this and think I'm ignoring her and I feel bad. And then like, she called me again and I I didn't answer. I was in the shower, but then I texted her. I'm like, sorry, I was in the shower. Like, can I call you back later? And she was like, I have a call. She called me at 1250 and she said, I have a call at one to one 30, but I can after. And I was like, Oh good. She only has 10 minutes. Okay. I will do this call now because I know that it's only going to take up 10 minutes of my brain and <laughs> I can handle 10 minutes, but probably not 11. And I felt really shitty for doing that. But that's so not shitty. Like that is just how we all need to unlearn the existence and pressure of social media. I, on my ride home, my my drive home from the wedding planner, I feel like I had three days today, from the wedding planner to get to my computer on time to be speaking with you. I was thinking because I had a similar experience where when I was, I hadn't posted anything because I I just didn't have the capacity or didn't want to, or couldn't think of anything that I cared enough about to post. But now returning to work and first post being about the new therapist on my team, I wondered, well, are the patients who I'm going to start seeing again next week, which is when I'm scheduled to start seeing patients, going to think, well, why couldn't you talk to me this week? You're posting on social media, right? But it's like, maybe I only had the energy for just that. And Or who knows? Maybe it wasn't even you posting. It was in this case, but that's the other thing. Okay. Love that you kind of read my mind there because the thought that occurred to me while I was driving back, and this is, this is, toxic. This is terrible. That my thought was, A, I should hire someone to do my social media. But most importantly, B, I need to make an announcement 
that I'm hiring someone to do that. My social media is not always me. That's the most like classic female, like, I'm sorry for asking what you're about to ask thing in the world. And I was like, no, I shouldn't. I should not do that. But like, also I should, because I don't want anyone being like, well, you just posted five stories and like, that must have taken a while on Canva or whatever, but you couldn't pick up my call. It's like, well, that wasn't me. Even if it was. Even if it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do I need a cop out? Yeah. Well, and that's, a, that's another thing when we get into, you know, people we follow on social media and some of the bigger, maybe like influencers or people in the therapy space in any space that we're in and that we exist in, in the online forums, like forums, why did I just say online forums? Uh, but you know what I mean? <laughs> in the online forums. Um, we don't know if it's them or if it's someone else. And so they, that person could be literally on the floor of their bathroom, hysterically crying and not okay. And someone else who works for them is posting videos that they made at like a fashion show or an influencer event or doing their makeup, getting ready with me, whatever from another day. Yeah. And that's the thing. Sometimes I'll post videos even that I did not record that day, sometimes not even that week. And it'll be when I had to cancel plans because I said I was sick. And I was sick and I am sick, mm-hmm. but I still have to post content. Mm-hmm. And I feel so much like shame and guilt around that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you guys don't want to see a, a video of me blowing my nose and the garbage pail full of tissues that I keep throwing out every day to refill up. Like no well, one wants to see that. Or do they, you know, like yeah. maybe that would make someone having a hard day feel better. Maybe. But that I'm having a worse day than them. But but then it goes back to, well, then I'm making it, it about me and I don't want people to feel bad for me. It's this catch 22. Right. Yeah. One question I want to ask you a little bit off topic. So you and Scott were together for nine months mm-hmm. when you got engaged. Mm-hmm. Obviously that was a really difficult nine month period. Mm-hmm. I imagine there are people listening who have loved ones who are really sick or who are going through something really devastating. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest questions that I get asked in those cases is like, well, do I date right now? If I met someone, how would I even tell them? How would they adapt to this world? Would it make me undesirable because I'm going through this? Do I have the mental capacity for this? So I'd love to, you know, spend our last few minutes talking a little bit about what that journey was like for you. Actually a really much, very good question and a lot more poignant than you probably intended because the answer is that I, we met at a bar, so we met in real life, but I was originally supposed to, I had left Austin to go to New York for a family member's wedding And then I stayed because my mom had, I forget if it was a a diagnosis or complication or something, but it was something related to her health and I stayed. And so my, the, when I returned, I was supposed to return right after Christmas. No, I was supposed to return 
return in November. The wedding was in October. And then I didn't. And then I stayed through Christmas. And I just had, I just needed to be with my family. And I didn't return until February. And a friend of mine had planned a dinner, like a welcome back dinner. And then I postponed again and came back later in February, mid-February. And when I came back, she was like, we need to go out. Like, you need to get out of your house. We need to go out. And that's the night that we met. But that was coming off of a period of a really difficult time. And then we were good and smooth sailing. Like, all, like, my family was good. My aunt's cancer was under control, X, Y, and Z, until it wasn't. I don't think there's a right time. I don't think you should postpone living your life for anything. I, I don't know what part of this is clinical or personal, but I just, I hear so many people saying, once I feel better about myself, once I, what I hate the most, especially because I focus on body image and eating disorders. Once, once I, I lose, lose the weight. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, or what have you, how much of that is self-sabotage, like postponing your own joy with some arbitrary rule or obstacle in place. And it doesn't have to be arbitrary. It could be very real. Like I postponed because of very real circumstances coming back to Austin that time before I met Scott. But I begrudgingly allowed myself to go out with my friends and I met Scott and my entire life is different now. So I would encourage anyone to just keep taking the next step forward in the dating sphere and every sphere. Yeah. And I imagine having him through this time has been like the most incredible thing. That's why I feel like all the more reason why I feel so passionately about that statement is that like, had I not, which would have been way more characteristic of me than what I did end up doing. I couldn't, I have no idea where I would be mentally or what have emotionally, what have you going through this without him and without the ad that he brings to my life. I have no idea. Shout out to your friend who dragged you out. Lainey, love you. Shout out. Lainey, MVP. Everyone needs a Lainey. Yeah, seriously. Is there anything that I haven't asked you or that we haven't discussed that you want to mention? We covered it, but I want to further emphasize, do not take social media, literal or as gospel. Um just be kind because you have no idea whether you're in like a CVS parking lot or like whatever. And like someone cuts you off or whatever, maybe maybe they weren't paying paying attention because they were listening to a song that reminded them of someone who passed away a day ago. I had that experience right when my mom passed away and someone honked at me and whatever. Like, and then I was pissed that someone honked at me and I was like, fuck you. Like, leave me alone just be kind. You have no idea. And social media makes us feel like we do have an idea, but you have no idea. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know why this is, but for as long as I can remember, 
you know, if someone ever like cut my parents off and they would yell, like my dad would be like, like asshole, like whatever. I'm like, maybe they're having a really bad day. Maybe they're rushing to a hospital. Like maybe we have no idea. Yeah. Maybe their wife is giving birth in the backseat. Yeah. And even like, I, I remember I've done this so many times where I'll just like stare out at like the, all the buildings in front of me and like the skyline. I'm like, I wonder how many people in these windows that I can see right now are like crying and are not okay. Or like having the best day ever or the worst day ever. And it's just like, we have no idea what people are dealing with. And the only thing that we can do is be kind. Be kind. And I'm going to add on to that, be transparent to whatever, whether it's individually to a friend or on a platform. Cause that's the only way to like, really further that message, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Usually I would end by asking the best piece of dating advice. We've already gotten that from you. Mm-hmm. So instead, I know you're obviously still going through it and have a long road forward, but from what you've learned and, and from what you've experienced, what advice would you give to anyone who is grieving the loss of a loved one? You're going to surprise yourself. You could, I have a long history of depression with really dark thoughts way prior to my mom's first diagnosis. I would have never thought, and this is before Scott or anything relationship oriented. This is my own inner work. I would have never, ever, ever thought that I'd be able to muscle through this each day in whatever capacity a given day looked like. And I know saying, if I can do it, you can do it, sounds ridiculous because I have a license as a therapist. And this is, this is why I'm going to start posting more transparently because I'm a human and I don't want to keep posting just inspirational quotes. I want to post real hard things. And my close friends and family and anyone who knew the full picture, not just social media, would back that. They, they've all been surprised by how I've handled this. And I don't take offense. I'm proud of it because I worked on myself. But you can do it. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. And I am so appreciative of you, you know, reaching out and wanting to come and have this conversation. I think hands down one of the most important conversations that I've had on the show. And I just really, really appreciate it. Not to tie this back to a career accolades, but uh, where can people find you? And Mm -hmm. is your practice currently accepting new clients? Sure are, particularly because I'm not given (laughs) what we just talked about. Um, yeah, I've, uh, one, I think five therapists working with me now, three who are very much accepting new clients and they're wonderful. One focuses on body image, one's more dating and anxiety, um, and career space. They all have their niches, but you can 
see their bios on my website, which is hlwtherapy.com or my Instagram, which is at hlwtherapy. Um, and I include lists, ways to find them and they are wonderful. Amazing. And yeah, everyone follow Hillary because we know there's going to be some real content coming and we can remove some of the toxic positivity from our news feeds by having it taken up by Hillary's content. (laughs) I'm going to make a disclaimer. Please only like or comment on these negative transparent posts if you've listened to this episode. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And to everyone who listened, thank you so, so much for listening. Please, please send this to a friend who would benefit from hearing it. Share it on your story. You never know who might see it, who doesn't yet listen to the podcast, who it's exactly what they need to hear. And don't forget to give a five-star rating and review if you have not yet. And if you guys ever want to come on the show and talk about something, you can always email me, seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Love you guys. And I will talk to you next time.